for that resounding declaration, Lord God, through dance. We thank you for <laughs> this young, young woman, Lord God, that you have just blessed to minister to us this morning. Father, may the fire of God burn on the inside of us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. Mm. Glory to your name, God. Hallelujah. Mm. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Minister to us, God, this morning. Speak to us where we are. Guide our hearts and then guide our minds. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So we're going to be talking about picking up really from last week. And it's just in a conversation with uh, my mentor, um, the word intersection came up. And this was last night. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this fits so perfectly with what um, I've been just meditating on and continuing with the message about the garden. So I just really want to thank you all for all that um, for all that listened last week because we're really picking up. So I always do my copyright notice. We don't have to speak it. But I, you know, as a scribe, we don't copy people's stuff and do things like this. But what we did last week, we talked about, this is just a brief recap as the children um, go into the back. We're just going to have them exit real quick. Remember, you guys, we're, we're still fixing the kinks <laughs> with that, but it's just a blessing to have each and every one of them with us. I mean, I love these kids. But last week, we had uh, an illustration told through a garden. And we looked at this particular picture, and I want to bring this picture up again just as a part of our recap to just remind us that we're all at different stages of growth. We're all at different stages of growth and development. The other thing that I believe this picture illustrates so profoundly is that we don't all grow the same. So it's really important that we see this because when we compare our growth to the growth of someone around us, we do ourselves injustice. It's so unfair to compare your journey with somebody else's. So God's plan is for each and every one of us to grow up, which is mature, not just growing in height and growing in knowledge and understanding, but growing in the fullness of Christ. Because when we talk about spiritual growth, we're talking about growth in the character, the integrity, and the mind of Christ. So you're not spiritually mature because you know a lot of scriptures or you've been saved a long time. There are people, say, 20 and 30 years that are very much babies. And, you know, but God is doing some massive and major things in us in this hour. And he's growing us up. And we have to grow up to deal with the things that we're facing in this generation. And in the time to come and in our maturity. So I just want to remind us of that. And 
The other thing I want to do is just show you this image again of um, this video of just how the Lord reigns on us. We were reminded last week that we need to experience life in his glory afresh and anew. And we clarified that glory is not just the presence of the Lord that falls like during worship or, or during the declarative dance today. It's not just that. The glory of God is the seed in us for us to become like him. So when the glory appears, we're literally looking at God showing up in our lives. Like if, for example, if you were like me, you said anything that came out of your mouth, um, what you thought, how you felt, and you weren't afraid of telling people like that, but then the glory appeared. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I think about and care about what people think about what I say. So I temper my words. And you can be like that all through ministry until the Lord tells you, you can't talk to people like that, Teresa. You can't deal with people like that. But I wouldn't have known had that seed not grown up in me and Christ appeared. So now, whatever I might feel, I don't even think like that anymore. You follow what I'm saying? It's not that I'm holding back. It's that it's not natural for me anymore. The character and the um, integrity of Christ and the way of Christ has taken away that old place that was in me. Wow. So our scripture was this. We're not going to dwell on this. I just want to read it so you can see it in the scripture. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. You have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. So a lot of us are always saying, I'm dying. We're not dying anymore. We died. That's already done. What we're doing now is exercising that seed of glory on the inside of us. What we're doing now is creating opportunity for Christ to appear. Because it says, you know, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear in his glory. And all that scripture is basically telling us is that when Christ appears in your life, you're going to appear in his image. You're going to show up in his likeness. It's not talking about an atmosphere, which is a different type of understanding of glory. That understanding is not wrong, but it's not all there is. It's not all there is. We learn that every victory we receive in our spiritual growth and development is literally the appearing of Christ in us, the hope of glory. The scripture tells us we go from what? Glory to glory, revelation to revelation. That's what that scripture is telling us. It's not like we're going into some great place where we're going to be greater than God. That's not it. And I share this because as you know, from Tuesday night, I did something I never do. I shared my testimony, a little part of my testimony with you um, because I wanted you to see what that could look like. I wanted you to experience how bad things could be and then how great God is. When he takes you from looking like that and you all saw the image, 
imagine living like that until you're about 35 or 36 years old. That was my condition. Worse than what you saw in that image that I showed you, out of my mind. In and out of mental hospitals, mental treatment, and in and out of a mental hospital in that picture that I showed you. But the idea here is you can't see that on me today. That's the appearing. So I want you to see that in your own life. Where has he shown up? And your toughest place right now is that opportunity for him to do what? Appear. Oh, my goodness. So we're going to get into, we don't have to repeat that. I am going to read this scripture because I just shared that. The scripture is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Now, I'm going to give you a different way of seeing this particular um, contemplation. When we're going through our worst moment and we're like, God, where are you? God, are you there? Do you know that's a form of contemplation? Do you know that that's an example of your soul crying out for his glory, for his seed to be made known, for him to rise up in us? God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? This, I want you to just consider that particular perspective. Can you see it? Because your soul knows what it is that it needs. Oh, my goodness. And it says, listen, as you're crying out, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. If all glory was was an atmosphere, if all it was something that we chase as a cloud, if all it was was an idea, then my God, what does this passage mean? It has to mean more than an experience. We are a congregation of experiences now. But nothing that lingers and remains. We want that experience with glory. We want the experience that says, I'm transformed. Oh my God. We're looking for transformation. We're looking for metamorphosis not just a feel-good moment because your circumstances may not change. But your mind, your perspective, how you view it, listen, your path to overcoming is always changing. Oh, my God. You know, we, you know, I buried my mother, my family and I buried my mother uh, two weeks ago. And I can't even believe we're two weeks past that. Two weeks past it. And we're seeing Christ appearing all over my family. That's a great loss. But there is a glory. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So this intersection is all about the roads that we face. There's a, a row of steps right before us. There's a path out the door over here. There's a corner turn to get us around this highway. 
But at some point, there's going to be an intersection or a place of meaning and decision that helps us decide which way to go. Everybody in here is at an intersection of some kind. The key is we must learn to meet God at his intersection. This is, this is really important. And this is what this message is about today, because even though the garden grows, if we're trying to meet God at our intersection, we're wanting him to do it our way. If we're trying to meet God at um, my husband's intersection, then that's, that's us trying to figure out to go his way. Are you following? Most of us at intersections are fighting God for our way. That's when that, that, that plant starts leaning instead of going up like we discussed last week. Somehow we've got to figure out how do I live like creation and just bend toward the sun? An intersection in this context is a point or a place on our life's timeline in which crucial points meet. Now, see, when we're going through, and Lord knows we've been going through, I know I have, but you know what I'm going through now, things are not working out in school, so I'm fighting for my life and that, you know, we just, it's just lots of things, but it's in God's hands because I'm at an intersection where I can do nothing. There is nothing I can do except show up. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Listen, so. When we consider an intersection today, I just want to look at three points. An intersection could have 10 lanes on a highway, you know, but we're just looking at three points where we think we should be. Oh my God. If this one don't tear you up and waste your time, <laughs> how many of us feel like we should be somewhere else or be in a better place or things should be different now I did everything right I followed the path that I thought that this didn't work the children were not speaking to me I ain't seen the grandkids in five years the marriage is a mess my finance but I did everything right but we do everything that we know to do every day and at the time those were the best decisions that we could make forgive yourself let it go. You did the best you could. When I was 25, I made some of the craziest decisions, but in my mind, they were good decisions. Yeah, right? Are we all on different paths of growth? Are we all at a crossroads all the time? Stop comparing yourselves to other people. I should be emotionally over this by now. Well, if you're not over it, it's not over. I mean, it might be over for everybody else dealing with you, <laughs> y'all, but it's not over in your heart and in your mind. So what do you do? You wrestle with it at your intersection until it's done. Where we really are, that's a hard one too. Listen, sometimes we think we're somewhere where we're nowhere in the plane. We ain't even on the planet. 
but we believe we are in this place. Oh my God, the most humbling thing is the third one. Well, is the second one when we realize, and I'll talk about this in just a minute, when we realize where we really are. That is when the intersection begins to shift. Number three, if we can do that first part, okay, God, you look, I thought all this stuff and it's just not right about myself. So I just need you to show me what that intersection really looks like. And that's the only way we can see where God is taking us. I hope that makes sense. Our intersection might look like this. God told me to do this next day. Uh, God told me to do this, but that's the opposite of that. Uh, the prophet said, but uh, I mean, but you, I'm like, my God, Marisa, this is you. Look, did you see the review? Starting the cycle all over again. For most of us, a lot of our lives look like this. Ministry looks like this. This is not for babes. This is for people who think they know what they're doing. My life used to look like this, traveling here, traveling there, running in this ministry, serving here, serving there, being at every conference until one day I said, no. Who wants to travel like that for me and get no relationships out of it? Everything is transactional. That's how it is for a lot of people and a lot of things that are going on. How good it is to be at rest. Only doing what's required and only moving inside a relationship. That's where I am now. When there four years, four years ago, I wasn't there. You couldn't find me in 2019. Every weekend, two, three, four times a month, I'm on the plane to some stranger's ministry. It's not, traveling is not the problem. It's why. What you doing, Apostle Teresa? Why are you asking? Well, you haven't put any flowers out because I ain't doing nothing like that anymore. Listen, I'm going all back in my country. Auntie Bev would be mad at me right now. I don't want a whole sentence together in a few words. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, but I don't want any more intersections to look like this. And for me, I'm okay with that. Some people can't handle that if their life doesn't look like this. They don't feel important. They don't feel like they're accomplishing anything. They don't feel successful. They feel as if they're missing out. The only thing I have a fear of missing out is presence and relationship. I'm going to spend the rest of my life pursuing those two things. But look, it took me all of that to get here. What if we could teach people this from the beginning? Oh, my goodness. Why does our intersections look like this? Listen, I'm going to tell you because we live in a climate and a time in the faith when people prefer a prophetic word over God's word. 
dreams and ideas that we have because of the conditioning of the climate of the faith, people think that any dream they have is God speaking. They have no accountability to the desire of their own soul or even understanding that the desire of their own soul can be good. But they want to credit all of that with Jesus telling them what they should do next. When in fact, the birth of your mind, the birth of your imagination is showing you your possibilities. It doesn't mean that every idea that pops in your head is God-driven. And it also doesn't mean that it's bad. You can do what you want to do. All things are permissible to you depending on where you're at and how holy you're willing to walk. You can decide today you want to be whatever you want to be, and God will come in agreement with you. But we have to get out of saying every single thing is God. Does that make sense? Oh, my goodness. We have a dependency on prophetic words. I know people that can't move left or right without a prophecy. That was wonderful in the Old Covenant. But Teresa has Holy Spirit living on the inside of her. You have access and direct access to anything that you need if it's nurtured in the Word. My God, living by lists of prophecy. I'm getting to a point, there's a reason why I'm sharing this. We have an inability to manage reality and spirituality at the same time. Oh, my God. Well, I feel like God called me out this job. Well, I, 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 did you steward your finances? <laughs> How much in your savings right now? Well, I'm just going to live by faith. Is that you or is that God? Have you counted up the cost? Because that, that's a clear. Jesus lived practically. He didn't just feel. Jesus didn't live like that. Well, Elijah, Jesus is not that Elijah. Are you following him? That bad. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Miriam, all that anointing you claiming is irrelevant in light of the anointing of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate prophet, the ultimate teacher, the ultimate. I'm not, I don't want to podcast in his heart. But Jesus' yoke is what? And his burden is, and he is the greatest example. Of everything. So if I need to know what a prophet is like, I need to begin to exit old covenant ways. Because what I got with Christ and I was resurrected with him. This why does our landscape look like this? The average Christian's life looks just like that in the prophetic realm. This is prophetic people. They don't look like that in um, other ministries. They got it. <laughs> look, for all our deepness, we miss the simplicity of the gospel. When I study, I study things that have nothing to do with the prophetic. 
I study evangelical stringent teaching because I don't have to deal with none of those shenanigans. My prayer life will always look like Jesus' prayer life. You don't have me spinning around. Listen, the expectation we place on God for our own dreams and ideas. Do you know a lot of people are disappointed and devastated and they feel like their life is destroyed, but when you're listening to them, they're, they're focused on a pathetic word that they got. They're focused on not seeing the fulfillment of a dream that they have. God never promised to fulfill every whim in your life. All he promised was to fulfill the promises that are eternal. Everything else is if he will, if he feels like it, if he wants to. He's not obligated to follow your dream. You're obligated to follow his. This is a growth hindrance. Can you see it? You can't talk about the glory and the seed of glory without understanding that that seed is the word. The whole purpose of Holy Spirit in us is to grow us up in Jesus, not into our own dreams. Jesus said he can't. He counted himself not equal to God. But when we act the other way, we think we're above God. That God is obligated to make us rich because some prophet said it or we saw it in a dream. And now we're hating God off of a false obligation. Listen, we also see people that uh, struggle and they have deep brokenness out of areas of performance, works, and rituals. Lord, I did a forty-day fast and ain't nothing changed. But guess what? They take another 40 days. Oh my God, Lord, I, I served in that church and, I, and nothing came of it and I am a wreck now. Were you serving me or were you serving people? Lord, I gave that poppy said, if I saw the sea right now, under this anointing, everything would change. Under that anointing. It didn't change. So is, is that God's fault? Or are you upset because you follow the charlatan? And you believe it. We have a reckoning to do with ourselves. But if you have the church tell it today, all of that is the work of the devil instead of their own bad choices and decisions. Oh my God. Everything that I went through in the church was not God's fault. God said, put no trust in what? Man will disappoint you. And if you go into the story, the fairy tale, understanding that you won't be destroyed. Not that you can't trust people, but you have to realize people can switch up. Because we're all on a what? Different trajectory of growth. And we are all over the place with these things. I took, I, I was sharing with a few people that 
Um, I turned off all the notifications on my phone. I have no notifications except ringtones for people calling me. And if I get a text, because my children are, only do things by text. There are no, uh, no news apps. Nothing pops up on my phone because it has me like this. I refuse to live my life that way. I haven't had a notification. Listen, I, this is not a good example, but when my mom passed, I had to turn the notifications off because people are like, how you doing? How you? I'm like, don't do that. I didn't put nothing on my Facebook page. I shared with the group I wanted to, and it's going to stay like that. You don't even know me. How your mom doing? <laughs> the intersection where we meet the Lord and where he is taking us is divine. This is a fear of the week. And I'm sure it doesn't even begin to compare to the billions of people living on the planet today. Everyone has a path and a new section. And even though you can't see it, there are all kinds of interdependencies in this wheat field. How is it that they're keeping those weeds and pears out of there? You see all of that? How's the trouble staying away? How are they sure every piece of stalk in here is wheat? How are we ensuring? that everything growing on the inside of us is God. Because right now, a lot of us are growing the world and we're not even able to distinguish it. Now, I'm gonna share this and I'm not sharing it to pick at anybody, to point out anybody, I don't do that. We're not having a throw-off sermon, but there are things that we definitely need to talk about. I don't have to look like Beyonce. I hope you're following me. I don't have to follow trends and shoes and pocketbooks. I don't have to follow any social media plan at all for God to move. I don't have to be on YouTube to serve the Lord and reach the people he has assigned for me. I, I'm just, I'm making, I want you to think about this. How we just shift and change to everything the world is doing, but there is no standard for the kingdom. Why are we doing all of this? You know, you can have a lot of things. Are we doing it for this? Are we doing it for a stage? I'm just suggesting God is in a lot of the big things that we do. God is in YouTube. <laughs> God is everywhere. But what I'm saying is what are your motives and your why? Because I'm not doing it for popularity. In fact, if you really know me, the smaller the crowd, the better. But that will be done. <laughs> Listen, 
if we believe this, if we believe the, the wheat and the tear, we must trust Matthew 5 and 18. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. People love throwing that scripture up when you're talking about the finished work, but this was pre-death of Jesus. He said it is finished when he actually got on the cross. And what does that mean? It means that he fulfilled everything that was lacking in the word. And guess what? In you, in us, our glory journey is just the appearing of those things at different points in life. Let me just use a, a child for an example. When they're born, they're totally dependent on the parent. There's nothing that they can do coming out of the room for themselves except keep up the fuss. That's it. They learn to suck immediately. First thing they learn, listen, is how to eat. First thing they learn. I mean, everything about the human process mirrors the growth process that God constructed. The first thing a child learns is how to eat. Then the parent has to deal with the child's digestion issues. And they have to watch the bowel movements, the urination patterns. They have to make sure the food is agreeable. But we hear one, one person and we write their charisma and we fall for anything. And we totally throw the Bible away. Well, apostle said this, and prophet said this, and pastor said 24 hours and seven days a week, but nobody knows what God said. Listen, Jesus speaks about the validity and permanence of the law because he was the validity and the permanence of the law, affirming that his teachings were the filling of it. And he fulfilled it. Why is this important? Because we are still begging God for things that he has already done, not recognizing our role in growing up. Man, I had the tiniest violin on my shoulder for about 15 or 20 years into the thing. Remember, an intersection in this context is a point of place. There's a scripture I'm getting to is a point of place on our life's timeline in which crucial points meet. So where we think we should be, where we really are, and where the Lord is taking us is sometimes all in our thought process and in our mind at the same time. And because of the way this world system works and how bad religion presses on us, we feel like there's no room to stumble. We feel like there's no room to make mistakes. We feel like there's no recovery when we do these things. That's the biggest lie that has ever been told in the midst of our faith. Listen, the further away you go, the more God chases you. It really is true. He leaves the crowd to go after the one. He was getting ready to die. And he thinking about Peter. 
Go get Peter. Especially Peter. Peter just abandoned him. He just hit everybody down. But here's Jesus. Please go get Peter. And in Peter's mind, he was as far away as he thought he could be. The difference is the Lord knew the tenderness of Peter's heart. He knew that Peter was afraid. He knew that Peter still had some glory to walk into. We can't kill people because they go alive for a few months. I was sharing with someone one day, y'all always attacking these celebrities online when they do stuff. But bottom line is, is bottom line is. A box of chocolates. That's literally what we're dealing with. We can't expect people who don't know God to act like they know him. People attack all of these um, pastors and leaders that fall and get in trouble. And as my mom would say, take care of yourself. Worry about yourself. Not realizing that some people probably just got saved yesterday. Everything they were doing before that was just church stuff. Do you know how much time I spent in the church as a child and thought I was saved? And I was 30 years old before I ever felt or knew the Holy Spirit. The whole time, I'm sitting up in here thinking, Easter, well, you know, Easter attendance, Christmas attendance. But that's what I thought salvation was. But here we are with our self-righteous selves. We have room for God to work on us, but for no one else. Talk about an intersection. If we could only learn from our intersection. The example of that in scripture is the, um, is the business owner who had been given forgiveness and was like groveling for forgiveness. But then when one of his workers came and had a similar situation, he closed the door in his face. But you just went through the same thing. And you have no compassion for me. God was like, all right, <laughs> slam the door on you. You know, that was just that illustration, but that is how people are every day, especially in the faith. That was a message to the church. The Lord takes us, and I'm at the end, really. The Lord takes us where his promises and guarantees lead to eternal life. By his grace and love, there are many other aspects of life that he answers for us. Some things he does not answer in the way we think we should, as his ways and thoughts are really higher than ours. Because some of the things that we claim as a promise is not the kind of promise that God upholds. Are you following me? When God says all of his promises are yes and amen, he really means his promises, not your promises that you want God to keep. So earlier, I think it was 2022 or 23, I gave all of you a list of 365 promises. 
It's uh, last night I broke it up, so it's inside the Bible study group. But it's the 365 Promises of God, and it's about nine pages. So if you want to download that, you can, because I'm going to show you the kind of promises that God is talking about. Listen, I am the Lord your God, and I never change. That's a promise. I am full of mercy and grace, and I overflow with love. That's a promise. So you see how these things never change? They are eternal. God's promises are eternal. Our job in the place of having glory as a seed is to believe him. The intentions of my heart will remain steadfast forever. Psalm 33 and 11. I created you in my own image with my special blessing. Genesis 1, 27 to 28. I chose you to be adopted into my family before creation. Ephesians 1, 4-5. I delivered you from darkness into the kingdom of my beloved son. Colossians 1, 12 through 13. I have given you eternal life because you have believed in Jesus. John 3, 16. See, the problem is not that God is not answering promises. The problem is that we are focused on promises at the wrong intersection. We're not willing to meet God at his intersection. And his intersection says, I need you to believe what I have written. I need you to believe what I have said. The Lord, you told me I was going to be married and have children. I need you to believe my promises because that's the only thing that I can give you and guarantee. Remember, he says, he'll bless who he wants to bless. That's scripture. He'll have mercy on whom he will have mercy. That's the correct understanding of that scripture. He says, I have given you eternal life because you have believed in Jesus Christ. I sent the spirit of my son into your heart so you could call him father. You don't have to beg him to be a father to you. It's a promise. You have to lean differently. But see, God is not going to lean with you in your pity party. This is the issue. He's not going to lean with you in your frustration because that man is still married to that other woman that you said was your husband. He can't lean with you into that. He can't. This is a rock with it. We we Oh my God, these promises, I was, I begged everybody. And for months, I was like, please read these, read these over the course of the year. One a day, 365. Read the Bible, but please read the New Testament through the lens of Christ. We can go back and look at the old, but if you're expecting a miracle from the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, you have so many limitations before you. Oh, my God. (laughs) My plan for your future is filled with hope, not your future to be um, like Bill Gates. That's his future. (laughs) That's his plan. Are you going to cover that? 
Or are you going to expect what God has for you? And anyway, the plan and for the future, Jeremiah 29 and 11, we need to read that whole chapter. Because you're going to learn that the promise of that chapter was in obedience and following God's plan for a people, not an individual. It's not even an individual scripture. It's a corporate scripture. I am at work in your lives through the desires of your heart. Listen, I want you to hear that. I am at work in your heart. I am at work. God trying to change your desires of his. That's all he's trying to tell you. He's not telling you that your desires will become now my magic wand and I will do it for you. I'll work that pumpkin into a chariot. I'll hit this and you'll wear this bolster gown. And your mice and your rodents and your roaches will become your listen. I'm dramatic. I'm a scar. Give me a minute. Listen. I will be a real father to you. I will look after you and teach you the way that is best. Every man is appointed a day to die. Do you know that even in that moment, God's giving you his best? Eternal life. If you believe it, we're just going back from where we came. He said in Psalm 139, I knew you before you were forming your mother's womb. That was not a physical space. So if you're leaving this earth space in the right order, you're going back from where you came from. You know, people be talking about we sleep. We not sleep. We don't go to sleep. Christians, believers don't go to sleep when they die. Because of Jesus Christ, we are immediately in the presence of the Lord. There is no stagnation. There's no break. There's no nap. Sleeping is over. You're either with him or guess what? You are not. Oh my goodness. Listen, the promise, I have blotted out your sins and dissolved them like a mist. I have sealed you with my guarantee. I, I had to tell somebody the other day they had it, they're having a hard time. And there's been some things in their life. And I said, listen. The very fact that you're convicted by what happened means you're with God. You up here upset because everybody around you condemning you, but you grieve because of how you treated God. Come on. That's God with you. The hope. Let's wake up and know what the Bible really says versus what religion tries to do. People celebrate the slitting of your throat in this day and time. They want to see you punished. That's not anywhere in the new covenant. That's old covenant mindset. Scatter my enemies in the new covenant. Lord, I understand that we don't scatter in that way. I pray for those who curse me. I pray for the. It's just transition from old to new. You might feel that way, 
but we better pray for the seed to have light before that catches our hearts. Where we think we should be may, may not be a reality for us right now. Are you all willing to say what I think should, my life should be like may not be the reality that I am seeing? Can you admit that? Can you who are online admit that? Because if we are focusing on his promises, we're going to be focusing on miracles, on signs, on wonders. I'm not saying God can't do something we're going to bring your life into a positive direction overnight because he can. But listen, he can. We have to be like Daniel and his friends. But if he doesn't, it's not going to move me. It's not an indication that he doesn't love me. If we're condemned because our life is not going in the direction we think it is, and we tell ourselves God doesn't love me because everything goes wrong, is evidence that there's some growth in it. Don't come up here talking about needing somebody to pray. But the, the declaration is grow up. Grow up in community. Teresa put the tiny violin down. Put it to us and the piano and the trumpet. Miniature instruments. Listen, shake the dust off of that seed coming up out of the ground. Let it live. Where we are it takes a humbling posture. Oh my God, I'm not as 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 great as I thought I was. Everybody doesn't love me. I thought everybody did, but the anointing on my life sit down with that. The realization that we could be thinking wrong about ourselves need to be, I mean, the Bible, and this, this is what gives me, and Jesus has a sense of humor. Who in the world going to put a scripture in there saying, think not more highly of yourself than you ought, except they understood this. We need to know if we are focusing on eternity or what is temporal. And to me, that's the balance of figuring out where you are. If you're upset and angry because nothing in your physical world is lining up the way you thought, then you're living on the outside of God's word. It's that simple. But if you're over here and you're saying, Lord, I know how I feel, but I choose to believe you. Lord, I know my mind is not right. I'm struggling in my mind. I'm struggling in my mind. I can't keep things straight. I have this disorder diagnosed. I have that disorder diagnosed. Lord, I, I'm so emotional with this relationship that I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I'm thinking and making decisions out of my feelings. Then you're over here because you're being honest. And you're letting God know where you are. How can I minister to people and I'm fighting like cats and dogs in my house with my husband? But Lord, and the Lord said, well, you, you gathered them. Let's, let's move through this. Don't go sit down because sitting down is where the pity party goes. Don't sit people down. That's ridiculous. Unless you're a murderer, <laughs> you might have to switch duties for a minute. But I'm not getting you out of my sight. Well, I have to bring you in closer. Unless condemnation take hold and you feel like you have, you feel like I'm not good enough to be with them. 
I'm not good enough to be, but if you, if you are repenting in your heart, it's already forgiven. Now, trust might be broken. And that might take time to build with your mom or whatever the situation was, your, your children. I don't know. Because it could be anything. You could have stole the money and bought something with it. And your family got cut out. I've seen everything. Either you are going to be restored and you're going to let that go or you're going to sit there and you're going to end up in the world again. That's what the kingdom is for. That's what the kingdom looks like. Anyone should be able to walk into your ministry or your church because we understand how seeds grow. You don't come to church because you're perfect. Well, I don't. You know, where the Lord is taking us is what's important. But we must meet him where he is, not where we want him to be. We want him to be on our side. You know, get that good argument together. How you trying to make somebody do what you want to do with an argument. And they don't want to do it. You have no right. You go wrong and you're right. There is still up to them to make that decision. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Are you all at an intersection? I think we run into intersections every day. I think we are perpetually at them in every situation and circumstance. Different levels of extreme. But when it comes to the glory and God appearing, the most important thing we can do is make sure that we're showing up at that intersection with God. All I can do is show up. That's all I can do today. Nothing is going right. I've tried this scheme, that plan, that update. I've done this. Everything that I know to do. And the Lord is saying, then you just stand at the intersection, realizing that you can't do anything so that I can actually move. Sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Oh, but I can pray, but you did that. And sincerely, and he heard you. What else can I do, beg? Well, you don't want to do that. But, Lord, I can't stop begging. Because I just want to believe, but I don't think you're going to be honest. Don't be over here acting like you're honest. And look, I'm looking at this pathway on the screen, and there are three paths. You can go back where you started. <laughs> you can go left, you right, and you can even go forward. It doesn't show that, but there are always intersections. And sometimes when we're not sure, we have to stand right there in the center and ask ourselves these three questions. I think I might be on the path called where I think I should be and who I think I am versus the reality of where I really am. And we should always be in a perpetual state of brokenness, always. I'm not talking false humility where you're calling yourself a dirty rag and we're not, that's, not, that's not humility. I have learned that humility is being everything God has called you to do without the pride of life. It's being who you were fully created to be. Last part, Luke 22. For I tell you, 
that this scripture must yet be fulfilled in me. This is Jesus's words. Should have put them in red. And he was counted and classed among the wicked, outlaws, the criminals. For what is written about me has its fulfillment, has reached its end, and is finally settled. Do you all see that? So previously we saw the scripture where he said we were still waiting on things to fulfill. But he's at the end now. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. And he came out and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. So Jesus had a place of intersection. He had a place that he went to, to figure things out. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not at all enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a, stone, a stone's throw and knelt down and he prayed. And he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, the burden, the trial that he's about to face. But I want us to see this from the perspective of whatever you're going through right now, it has to find its way to the intersection. It has to find its way to understanding that God the Father is the only one who can make that decision. And we have to also realize in this passage, look, God had already made a promise concerning him that was written and there was nothing jesus could do to change the promise the wages of sin is death i'm sorry there's nothing you can do if you sin something in your life will die can you recover yes but there will be scars there will be evidence there will be proof that you walk this way even if they're not visible are you following Jesus didn't lose his scars when he was resurrected. But he was resurrected. My God. So all he said was, if you are willing, remove this cup. Then his other mind came and he said, you know, I'm going to humble myself at this intersection. I'm at this intersection. I don't want to die. I want to live. I like this life. Remember, this is God and his humanity experiencing everything humans have experienced. People have tried to twist this passage, but there's too much in this passage to say that that's not what was troubling him. He said, yet not my will, but always yours be done. In other words, he's laying down everything that he wanted. Everything that he desired, the car, the house, the job, the finances, he's not giving up on those dreams. He's just saying that, that I'm at the intersection of where it's about what you want. Oh, my God. And he said, but again, always yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him in the spirit. I remember many times in my life, I never saw an angel, didn't feel an angel, angel's presence. But after I came up from a place like that, I felt strength. It was probably an angel. It was probably the wind of God. It doesn't have to be a whole dramatic story as to what happened. Just know he showed up. Because that's him appearing. That's him strengthening you. And it says, and being in agony of mind. Oh, my God. 
Jesus was in agony of mind. He was having a mental episode over giving up his own life. It reminded me of Abraham and Isaac all over again. Abraham was going to do what God said, but he was agonizing over it. Here we have Jesus demonstrating that same point. I've agonized sometimes over having to walk away from people. Circumstances, situations, still feel some kind of way about some things, but you have to walk away and trust that it is God. I have to move out. The hardest thing I've seen people do, and I know the apostolic when they can do it, is walking away from somebody you genuinely love. Mama, daddy, siblings, but that are not good for you. Have to walk away. And being in an agony of mind, he prayed all the more earnestly and intently. And his sweat became like great clots of blood dropping down upon the ground. All of that, and it didn't change God's mind. That's the important part I want us to see. God didn't change his mind because he cried blood. Scream murder. <laughs> he didn't. God's promises are eternal. He met the Lord at this intersection. And Proverbs 19, 21 says it plainly. Many plans are in a man's mind, but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. What does this mean? These promises are not about anything but his purpose. If they do not lead to his eternal intention, meaning those things that exist so that the end, the end of all things, the fullness of all things can come, that's all God, every promise he has has one ending. The bride. If it doesn't line up with that, then is not his promise because all of those pathways lead to that place and us not just talking about corporate right now but us many plans are in a man's mind but it is the lord's purpose for him that will stand oh my goodness oh my goodness so we just thank the lord and we um believe god we believe God for um, what he's doing in our lives. And I've learned sometimes people want you to pray for them. They want you to lay hands on them. They want you to um, cry with them. And there are times when we do all of that, but a good friend won't let you stay there. A good leader won't let you live your life. There are some devastating things. We have known people who lost children. I mean, children have died in horrible ways. I know people who lost their spouses and their husbands. But at the end of the day, what do we have? Either we're going to die in those places or we're going to figure out how to live. And I just want you to decide today that you're going to live and not die. I don't care what it is. I don't care how bad the mental and emotional battle because you're not committing suicide. We declare it in the name of Jesus. 
know that um, mental health is a sickness. We know that people don't have control. And I promise you, you can be accountable. And you can have people like I had that cook off vacation time to come stay with me at my house because they need to have control. God will send you what you need. You know, I'm, I'm always thankful for all the angels that are on my way. You can ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, move me when people are genuine and they want to learn help. And if they ask me how I am, but you know, I can tell them the truth. Lord, I pray that we have longer keep secrets because secrets run us from the inside out. And I'm not talking about things that happen to us, but things we've done that need to be acknowledged, repented of, and spoken of. God has promises. As a promise of life is for you and your family, according to Acts 2 and 3, no life is God's. A king and a prince that causes you to feel differently. That means you might have to change your answer. It means you might have to fast mama or grandma. Now you may say, oh, I lost my house, I, I lost my car. <laughs> The same sorrows. Family father, they got the same story. You're not going to get anything. But there's no reason for you to hurt. So, Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus. Is that what needs us to pray? What you do, I'm going to lie and I'm going to lie. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for every soul. We thank you for every soul because every soul is a seed. The promise is that they have stood. The five, 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 the five
and those difficult spaces to give us to know more about that many of the things going on with us are our own decisions, our choices, our perspective. I am inclined to believe that the enemy has really so that the mind changes. Express the mind of Christ. Let us see it as the mind of Christ deriving it. Not as a people personality, mere things that people teach. Jesus. So we declare that mind. This is strength because that's a concept that we can pull the style of principles. Even as we see them here, this reality. Jesus understood that reality. He said he was not over That's a balanced understanding of what's necessary this flesh life, the sutras life, and what's required in the spiritual realm. His mind teaches us to ascend. And he appears at that message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. 